Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. Actually, late last year in October, I was visiting a friend in Indianapolis who lives in the Broad Ripple section. And we took a walk and we ended up at the Indianapolis Art Center. We went in and um, started touring and taking a look at the different exhibits and different rooms. And I went into this one room and I looked around and I looked at the artwork and I said, this looks familiar. This reminds me of the work that Rebecca does. And sure enough, when I got on the piece that I was really attracted to that I ended up buying, actually, I saw her name, Rebecca Robinson. I said, I have got to reach out to Becky. Well, I call her Becky. (laughs) And uh, talk to her about her journey and what's next in her next chapter. How are you today? I'm doing really good, Jan. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really, really excited to talk about my art journey with your listeners. Absolutely. I'm interested in piecing it all together. I've known you for a while and I had a big surprise this past fall and I'm very, I was just thrilled to death when, when I came across it. So let's, let's go ahead and get started with our conversation. So let me ask you this question. As a young person, as you were beginning your journey in this space of art, I mean, what was that beginning like for you as a, a young person or as a young child as you were finding your way? Well, I would have to say my journey initially began as early as maybe around three or four years old. Um, I attended Montessori school, um, which was very non-traditional. A lot of people ask me like, what is that? My parents wanted to make sure, and and maybe they knew at an early age that I was extremely creative and and gifted in, in a variety of things. And I used to love to dance and I I loved music and instruments and I I like drawing and and painting. And so the school that I went to was called the Children's House. It had about 50 students and it was literally a house and each room was uh, different classrooms. And we did science and art and, and math and we took different languages, ballet. Those things were mandatory there. Children's House really instilled in all of us to be great individuals and to really understand who we were as unique people. And we learned about sharing and, and, and having empathy. And there was so many different kids there from different backgrounds and nationalities. But one thing that I really enjoyed while being at Children's House was the creativity that I got to explore. And I think that's where it initially started at, at Children's House. So how long did you go to the Children's House? How long was that experience? I was there till about, I would say 11 or 12 years old. So it was a shock for me going into middle school after being in such a different environment. It was really a a hard transition for me because whether it's going into public school or being around different kids, I mean, 
at Children's House, I was around these children from the age of three or four to 11 or 12. So that's all that I really knew. And then it was like being pushed into the real world and being around other kids and understanding that I was different, but trying to adjust to that environment. And some some things were positive, but there was a lot of negative too. So it was it was hard for me to adapt. Would you say that because of that experience, that may have been the inspiration for you to go inward to express yourself outwardly? Absolutely. I think that's that's a really good point. Art being a means of expression, that possibly was the reason why I honed in on doing art-related things because maybe I felt like I could not really express myself Verbally, maybe the interactions were awkward, but I always found a safe space by being able to write. My father was always really, he encouraged me if I had certain thoughts or feelings, keep a journal and things like that. I have journals from probably the age of 10 or 11 till to this day. So I can go back to any date, any year, any month to see, you know, what I was feeling and being able to express myself. But yeah, art definitely was my my means of expression. And I I would like to also add, I always make this joke and say that I should have been the Black Annie, the first Black Annie. And I I used to love the play Annie. And I remember my dad having the old recorders, the video recorders, and he used to record me doing like the entire play. And I used to just love it. They bought me the outfit and everything. So that was pretty much my home life. They would allow me to do all kinds of things. So I think in my mind, I felt like I was capable of doing a lot of different things, whether I was going to be an artist or a reporter or a dancer or play an instrument. When you have been experimenting in a lot of different spaces, I I think it may have been maybe 10 years ago when I came across a piece of artwork that you did and Mm -hmm. you expressed it in a different way on canvas, but in a different way. Can you Mm -hmm. share a little bit about how that came about? (laughs) Yeah, well, there is a backstory about that. And when I first went into art as a profession, I have a background in fashion design. And in, in my mind, I thought, well, how can I incorporate incorporate my art with fashion. And I was really interested in handbags and I wanted to do something beautiful and for people to have collectors items um, that were luxury handbags. I spent probably over 10, 11 years trying to expand the brand and going through the whole process. And that's a whole story within itself. But I think I was so burned out and I was tired. It was just really a challenge for me. And then it became more of a chore than a pleasure. And I needed to step away from it. And it was just life was happening. And I said, you know, I don't know if people really see me as an artist. Maybe they just see me as the lady that makes handbags. Maybe they don't understand that I have this talent for visual art. And I said, I have something to say. You know, I have something important um, that I want to express. And I I just wanted to almost leave even like when you look back at my handbags, very colorful, very vivid. But that wasn't where I was in my life. And I wanted to express myself in an entirely different way. So I've always uh, played around with different materials. And I literally went to a hard store one day and I just gathered like the most random things. And I just thought about something kind of grimy and gritty and, and something strong. And I said, what can I create out of that? And so I bought some cement and I bought some tar and some wood and um, some latex paint. And I, I just wanted to play around with it just to see. And just by 
experimenting, I still have the very first piece that I did with the concrete. And I was like, I'm on to something. It's this, this is something really, really special. And it just kind of started from, from there. So it's been about six years that I've been using the medium concrete and tar. And it's, it's interesting because people today don't even realize I'm the same person that, that was doing the handbags. It's really incredible because I have one of those handbags and anytime, mm-hmm. anytime I, I I use that handbag, I go out on a special event or that was before COVID, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> I remember the first time when I got the bag and I was in Indianapolis and I went to an event, someone actually remembered they had seen the article about you it was written in Indianapolis Star. Mm-hmm. So it was getting a lot of notoriety. And um, again, I still have my bag when I use it. I get a lot of compliments. So, but when it comes to the tar um, and the concrete medium Mm -hmm. that you're using that uh, in my mind, I couldn't understand exactly what you were doing with it or how Mm -hmm. you actually work with that. Can you just kind of share a little bit for our audience to give us a visual of what that looks like when you're creating a piece? Is it on canvas or how do you start that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I usually use wood because when you think of concrete, I mean, it's, it's very dense, it's very heavy heavy and I have perfected it in a way where I can use it on canvas, but initially it's done on wood. So I buy panels of wood. When I go to the hardware store, I'm able to buy large pieces of wood. I can go as large as I want. The concrete, you know, I have to mix mortar and getting the consistency right, knowing how much uh, water to add, how fast it's going to drive. And it's a process. So after I have the wood, I mix the concrete and I have to cover the wood with the area that I want to have the cement on there that has to dry for a day or so and then I use tar and a caulk gun I put the tar in the caulk gun to draw the image so I don't even use any brushes anymore Um, I use my hands so I start drawing the image and then that has to dry for several days and cure so the best part about it and I think it's the most fun for me is laying the white latex paint because everything is pretty much in black and white so it's playing on that negative space so if I don't coat it with enough white you can't really see the image and if you put too much white it drowns it out. So when I add the white latex paint, I I pour it and I have to get it just right to complement what the image is. And so that's always really stressful, but the fun part too. So that's actually the process. So after that's all done, it takes about almost a week for one piece just to be completed. And it's it's amazing. Every time I see the work, I mean, I'm I'm just really amazed and how I'm pushing myself more with this medium. Well, I'm looking at the the actual piece that I bought that's on the wall right now. Mm-hmm. And now I'm envisioning you actually going through the process. Yes. Oh. The piece that you do have, and I'm glad you mentioned it, that was when I was experimenting using red brick, like a distress look. And so my regular pieces are black and white. And then I wanted to take it to the next level. I had to add like this red dye to the cement to create that red brick look. And I wanted it to look distressed. So like if you're walking down a busy street and everyone's seeing 
an old brick building and there's paint on it, it's chipped, it might have soot on it. So I had to recreate that look for the the artwork. So is the actual piece of art heavy with the Mm. cement and the tar and latex, not so much, but Mm -hmm. would it be a heavy piece? Yeah, it's it's pretty heavy. It's always a little heavier when it's on wood, um, but I, I like that because it's it's more you know secure. It, it it it'll last a lot longer. And then I did learn how to um, incorporate it on canvas, which makes it a little lighter. So on average, the paintings might start between maybe 15, 20 pounds and up. I have pieces that are 80 pounds, 100 pounds, eight feet. I think the largest concrete piece that I do have, which is a mural downtown Indianapolis, that one is about 20 feet. Yeah, that's, 20 that's feet pretty, by That's pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, because when I went to get my, my piece framed, <laughs> it was so large. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That I had to really sacrifice. Uh, my choices were limited in terms of the actual framing, the glass, the mat, mm-hmm. and uh, I, it's pretty big. Yes, fact, it didn't even fit in my car, so I had to get a neighbor. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, I had to get a neighbor to actually go pick it up mm-hmm. you know, for me, and um, they had to put their back seat of their SUV down in order to get this piece in Well, and as you see, the experience of even framing is an art form. And and some people think, you know, framing is just, you know, putting something in there, snapping it. No, you know, as far as framing, you you go someplace where it's done in in a custom manner because you want to make sure it complements the artwork. You don't want to overshadow anything. Make sure you have the right mat and the right color, not overpowering anything and complements whatever decor that you have. I think I got it right. Mm -hmm. It (laughs) looks beautiful. I had a lot of input um, when I was in the framing store from passerbys who were admiring the piece. I went through a lot of different uh, choices and options and and settled in on something I think is beautiful. So thank you so much for creating it. You're welcome. And I do allow, when when I have my pieces in a gallery, you know, there's certain restrictions, but if I do have some say-so Um, I do allow certain people to touch the work because I want them to really feel the texture and a picture never does it justice. When people see it in person, just the responses that I get are are amazing. I understand from your background that you attended North Carolina Central University. Yes. And studied visual art. Mm -hmm, Visual communication. So that was just the whole gamut. It was from figure drawing and graphic design, marketing, branding, printmaking, photography. It just was a variety of of the arts. Do you feel that it was a good foundation or could you have done anything on your own that would have brought you to where you are right now? Absolutely. I mean, uh, it was a combination of of both for me because a lot of people say they're self-taught, but I, I was already a creative. So I believe just having the technical things that I learned in school was really important and vital. And I, I do remember one um, particular professor, uh, Ms. Chakor, we used to have these figure drawing classes. I remember we would have a model come in and we would sketch her. I would always have this habit of drawing from my mind, um, what I were, you know, almost like a photographic memory. And my professor would say, please don't do that. I want you to look at the subject and you look at the subject 
then look at your paper and look at the subject and look at your paper and stop trying to draw what you think you saw. Draw what you see. And she said, but when you leave my class, you do what you want to do. And and I understood what she meant. She wanted me to, to learn what I was looking at, how to draw it properly. And I will say the human body is one of the hardest things to, to draw. Um, it's very, it's very complicated, but I think she wanted to instill in all of us to learn the proper way to uh, learn the mechanics of, of art and, and figure drawing. And then when you are off on your own, then you can kind of do what you want. You're free to do what you want to do. I think Picasso, that's a good example. Picasso was a brilliant artist. If you look at his earlier works, very detailed, his, his, his portraits and just perspective and the composition. And then it starts kind of going into more of what they call his abstract works and cubism and everything is kind of distorted. He was brilliant, but the thing is he understood the mechanics of art, but once he was able to explore his own artistry, he was able to be free to do what he wanted and express how he wanted to. So in this chapter of your life, you feel that's where you're at? Yes, I'm definitely in my Picasso chapter. (laughs) This is a good thing because I have to say, when I walked into the art center and I was walking around looking at all the different installations and artwork from other artists, and I walked into that one room. And I looked around and saw all of your work. And I didn't know at first it was yours, but something mm-hmm. told me to look at of who the artist was. And I said, I knew it. Mm-hmm. It's Becky's work. I was yes. Just, I was just and that's like, what I wanted. That's yeah. what I want people to, even if they don't know my name just yet, that soon as you see it, you say, Oh, I know that person. I know that work. You know what's interesting about that though? I had not seen any of the concrete in tar work. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen any of it. Mm-hmm. It was just described to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, I knew the artwork from the handbag, but there was just something about the texture, the colors, the representation that resonated with me. And mm-hmm. something clicked. And I said, that's Becky's work. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah. and I wanted to have that wow factor. And I've noticed over the years, I mean, I do exhibits all year round, sometimes simultaneously. And I've noticed that a lot, or even the majority of the artwork, very colorful, very vibrant. Some people may use a palette, you know, that might be black and white here and there. But 99% of the time, I'm the only artist that has black and white work. Another reason why I believe people recognize my pieces. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning. And